0: to the Wild podcast. This past weekend was a crazy weekend in sports. We had a lot of upsets in college basketball. Uh, Tua announced that he's going pro. He's foregoing his senior season to enter the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, we had the NFL wild card games. All four of those games were played on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so, I mean, it was an insane... Uh, weekend in sports, and then uh, at the end of the podcast, I want to talk about Trae Young um, and if he deserves to be an All-Star this season, uh, but let's go ahead and get into this Tua. Uh, yesterday, uh, I'm recording this Tuesday night around 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, Tua announced yesterday, Monday, 12 o'clock my time, uh, but it was like 11 o'clock in Alabama. He 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 had a press conference uh, with Nick Saban and he announced that he was going pro um, and entering this year's NFL Draft. And uh, I believe that he made the right, de- the right decision. I wrote an article about this on our website at TheWireSports.com. Go check that out if you want to. And I really go into a lot of detail there about why uh, I think he made the right decision. So if you want to read that, go check it out. Uh, but uh, mainly, the, the big reason why I think he made the right decision... Is because of his injury history. I um, mean, I mean, he he's had a lot of injuries in college. Um, some of them minor, like he had a broken finger that he suffered in practice. That one wasn't major. I mean, he had to have surgery on it, but it, it didn't keep him out of out of practice. Um, he he's had some ankle injuries. Um, those were a little bit more major. Um, he also had a sprained knee one time. That wasn't too bad. wasn't too concerning. But the the really the really concerning injuries that he's had so far um, have been his ankle injuries and this dislocated hip that he suffered this season. Now last year, uh, I believe you know, it was fourth quarter of the SEC championship game versus Georgia, uh, which Alabama won. He suffered a I, I believe it was a high ankle sprain. Um, it was an ankle sprain. I'm a, I'm pretty sure it's, it was a high ankle sprain. I don't think it was a low ankle sprain because he was in a lot of pain, um, and his play suffered a lot from this injury, and that that injury impacted him all throughout the playoffs. Um, I mean, he he played well versus Oklahoma. Um, didn't really struggle there, but he looked he looked pretty banged up against Clemson. Um, you you could tell that ankle was bothering him, so he had that. Uh, I don't know if that if he had surgery on that. I don't really know i'm not sure sure about that um I'll have to look that up uh, and then he had an ankle injury this season um before they played lSU and i mean he 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 did it he wasn't bad against lSU had had a few turnovers uh but besides those turnovers he looked pretty good. you could tell that the ankle was still affecting him then uh but what after after that game he looked pretty good. Um, it, the ankle injury kept him out against uh, Was it Western Carolina? I forgot who they played. They played some small school that Matt Jones uh, started against and so he had that ankle injury that was his second ankle injury in his career and the biggest injury so far that he suffered uh, was the dislocated hip against Mississippi State now in that game I don't even know if Tua should have been playing. Obviously, I'm not the head coach. Nick Saban's the head coach. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, But, like, I kind of question whether or not Tua should have even been playing in that game. I I mean, I don't know if I would have played it. Maybe play him for, like, a series so he doesn't, like, just so he can keep playing and he can keep up the reps um, and so he doesn't get cold. But, like, like, I don't know why he was playing so much. And right before he he was coming out, like he had he had one final series, and then he he like the coaches planned on taking him out, but Tua, uh, talked to Steve Sarkisian, got put back in the game. Uh, he he convinced the coaching staff to let him back in. He played one more series, and at the end of the drive, he was rolling out of the pocket, and instead of throwing the ball away, he kind of held to the ball a little too long, got tackled, got sacked, um, but when he came down. He dislocated his hip, broke his nose, and I don't know if he officially suffered a concussion, but he he definitely had some uh, concussion-like symptoms. But yeah, he broke his nose, dislocated his hip, and the hip dislocation he suffered was similar. It it wasn't the, the exact same, but it was similar to Bo Jackson's injury that ended his career. Um, this this is as severe as Bo Jackson's injury because Bo Jackson suffered some internal bleeding from his hip dislocation. Um, so like Tua's injury is is nowhere near as bad as Bo Jackson's injury. That's one thing that gets lost, in all these people are like, "This is the same injury that Bo Jackson suffered." It's really not. Like Bo Jackson suffered, like he had internal bleeding, like like that. His was serious. Um, but uh, Tua doesn't have any internal bleeding, um, they treated it right away, um, and so his, his injury was nowhere near as bad as Bo Jackson's, but it's still serious, like, uh, the timetable is around six months, I believe, and I don't, I don't even know if Tua will, will be able to throw at the combine, so that's serious, Uh, but he's still gonna be a first round draft pick, I, I believe he'll be drafted first round, and I believe he can still go as high as fourth, Uh. I, I will not be surprised if he falls in the first round, falls to like maybe past top ten, past the top 10, maybe he's drafted around 18th, uh, but I would personally be shocked if Tua is not drafted in the first round, uh, you'd have to be crazy to let him fall past the first round, someone's gonna take him uh, that high, even with the injury history, and like, the thing is, if Tua didn't have these injury problems, he would be the number one pick. Like he's that talented. This dude is a beast. Like he's a great quarterback, a great prospect. And as good as Joe Burrow has been this season, and as good as Joe Burrow is as an NFL prospect, like Joe Burrow is a a, a legitimate quarterback. Like he is a legitimate NFL prospect. He deserves all the hype he's getting. He deserves to be picked number one. With Tua having all these injury issues, but like if Tua didn't have these injury, all these injuries, he would he would be one hundred percent deserving of the number one pick. He's really good, um, but like he's still gonna get picked first round. And if he decide, if he were to decide to come back, and he stays healthy this, se- like if he, if he were to come back, stay healthy this season, he's still gonna be the number two quarterback because Trevor Lawrence is in next year's class. Trevor Lawrence is going to be, like, the highest-rated quarterback ever, possibly. And, and if he's not the highest-rated or the most sought-after quarterback in the history of the NFL draft, he's going to be up there. He's going to be rated close, to, if not higher than Andrew Luck and John Elway. Um, he's just that good of an NFL prospect. He's a once-in-a-lifetime type of, type of quarterback. He's going to go number one. And to a if he were to come back, stay healthy, and keep up this level of play, the highest he'll be in, in next year's class is the number two quarterback. And if Justin, if Justin Fields take takes a step up next next year, if he takes that next step, I believe Justin Fields could easily be the number two quarterback in next year's class ahead of Tua. Um, if he were to have made that decision to come back. Cause I, I believe in Justin Fields. I'm a huge Justin Fields supporter. I know he didn't play well against Clemson. Um, I'm not even saying that he's better than Trevor. Uh, I'm just a big believer in Justin Fields. I think he's really talented. I believe he's that like he he's a really good quarterback. And if he improves, uh, I mean he's gonna be a really really good quarterback someday. But yeah, like it just doesn't make sense for Tua to come out or to co- to uh go back to Alabama. It makes no sense at all. He's injury prone. If he gets hurt again. He, his career seriously could be over. It, it's gonna, it, it would be in doubt, at the least, if he got hurt again. Um, and then, even if he stays healthy at, at, uh, for one more season at Alabama, he's going to be the number two quarterback ne- in next year's draft class. There, it makes no sense to come back. And look, I understand why he would want to come back. I get it. I get wanting to come back for one more season with your your teammates, because being a part of a team, having those moments in the locker room and on the bus rides, it's an incredible experience, and I understand why he he would uh, want to come back for that, but at the end of the day, Tua had to make a business decision, and he had to go pro, had to come out right now. It's really the only decision he could have made, that was his only option. Um, and I believe he made the right decision. It sucks for Alabama, uh, but they have Bryce Young. They have Talia Tungo-Vailoa, Tua's brother. And they have Matt Jones. They'll be, they're not, like, none of those guys are as good as Tua because Tua is a really, he's a special quarterback. Uh, but they'll be okay. They're going to be in good hands with one of those guys. Like Bryce Young, five-star quarterback, number one quarterback in the nation. He's really good. He's a beast. Uh, so, I mean, they'll be okay for the future. Um, and they got a lot of talent over there in Tuscaloosa. But I, I, it does suck for Alabama fans that he didn't come back. But, look, that it was the right decision for Tua. Um, and, and I'm really glad that Tua uh, des- decided that, that it wasn't worth risking injury to come back for, to Alabama for one more season. All right, let's talk about some of the uh, upsets we saw this weekend in college basketball. Not just over the weekend, one of these games was played last Thursday forgot which one that was I, was that that wasn't Oregon Colorado forgot which one that was uh, But first game I want to talk about uh, I'm gonna talk about three games Oregon Colorado Georgia Memphis and Wisconsin Ohio State those are the three ga- three games I saw myself uh, Oregon Colorado Oregon surprisingly was oh and eight all time. On the road at Colorado, going into this game, but I mean, no, I don't think it was at Colorado. I think it was at this at um in this specific arena that Colorado is playing in right now. They were o and eight all time going into this game, playing in that arena. Uh, and the in the first half was really really rough for Oregon. I never one of the things uh that I noticed was there were a ton of possessions where Oregon had the rush shots because. They, it's like they were going deep into the shot clock on a lot of possessions, and they'd have, like, uh, Peyton Preacher would have the ball top of the uh, three-point line with five seconds left on the shot clock, and he's having to rush, just run to the rim, like, rim run, and just rush a shot, and, like, it was really, really a tough first half for Oregon's offense, and Colorado was fantastic on defense. Their their half court defense was spectacular in this game, and that's the reason they won this game, in my opinion. I mean, they their defense was fantastic in this game, um, it, which is kind of surprising because Colorado does not rank high, um, in any defensive metric. Like they're they're not like in top 30 in any defensive metric. And uh, metrics I looked at, I looked at like f- opposing three point, op- like opponents three point, uh, field goal percentage. And field goal, like field goal percentage, um, and a, a few other metrics. And they're not, they're not even top thirty in any of them. And so it was just surprising to see uh, their half court defense play so well. And Oregon really struggled. Um, they struggled shooting from three, which was really surprising. They are the seventh, uh, seventh three point shooting team in the country, and they shot. What was it? I think they shot, uh, like around 18 percent. From the three-point line, I can look at it right here and got. Let me pull up team stats. I think it was. I mean, it was low. It was under twenty percent. Yeah, they shot sixteen point seven percent from the three-point line. And if you didn't know, that is awful. Like that's really that's pathetic. Um, so they they struggle from the three-point line. Peyton Freezer was really good in this game. He had twenty-one points. He was and he was like one of the only bright spots on the Nuggets team in the first half. Um, I, I believe he had 10 points in the first half, he had double digits at least, um, and th- they struggled in the first half, and their struggles continued in the second half, and Colorado, they were on fire to start start off the second half, um, and then went up, went up by 15 points at one point after a alley-oop slam by Tyler Bay, and Oregon was able to come back in this game, they were able to come back, and they cut the deficit to four after Colorado went cold from the free throw line. Colorado could not hit a free throw to save their life in the second half and Oregon was able to come back and I wish I could have saw the end of this game but there like but seriously there were technical difficulties that literally cut the last few minutes of the game so I couldn't see them. Uh, I don't know like what I don't know what was up but the last few minutes of the game were literally cut. The game went to a black screen and so you couldn't see the last few minutes of the game which was hilarious, like, I thought, I thought that was just hilarious, um, so, like, you couldn't watch the last few minutes of a huge upset, which is pretty funny, uh, but, yeah, Colorado was awesome, and they got, the, the big reason why they won, besides their defense, was McKinley Wright, the fourth, and Tyler Bay, they were both absolutely insane, Bay, he had 15 points, 14 rebounds, he was great in this game. Uh, and McKinley Wright, he had 21 points, eight assists, five rebounds. Both of those were awesome offensively. I mean, they were both were just just absolutely insane. And Colorado got a huge upset on the at home against Oregon. Huge conference win. And Colorado's probably I don't know if they did. Uh, I assume they jumped up in the in, into the top 25. They should have. They were ranked. Just outside the top 25, I think they were ranked number 27 uh, going into this game. And with that upset, they should have jumped into the top 25. Huge win for Colorado at home. A big conference win. And Colorado is a really good team. They can make a run in the tournament. Uh, they're really good. Def- and I was I was just really impressed uh, by the half-court defense. And I liked what I saw from Tyler Bang and McKinley Wright. Colorado's a good team. Like, moving on, Georgia, Memphis. This is a really bad loss by Memphis. Memphis was at home in this game. And Anthony Edwards, who's projected to be a top-five pick in this year's NBA draft, he was awful in this game. Like, he shot um, around like 4 for 14 or 4 for 17 around there. He was awful in this game. He couldn't hit a shot to save his life. And Memphis still lost. Uh, now the one positive for Memphis is their court. Their court is awesome. It's like blue. It's kind of like Boise State. How Boise State has a blue football field. Uh, Memphis has a blue basketball court, and it's really cool. Uh, the entire court is blue except for um, inside the three-point line. That's wood. That's regular wood, and the paint's blue. The paint. The paint is like a like a blue tiger. Um, Tiger print—it's really—it's—it's it's a really cool looking court. I like it. I personally like it a lot. Think it looks really cool. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the game. Um, Memphis—they're young. They're—they're they're without. I want to point out—they're without James Wiseman right now. He's not playing because he was uh, suspended for that big controversy a few weeks back. I think that was like a month or two ago. Uh, he had accepted money from Penny Hardaway to move his family up to Memphis, that whole scandal. So he's, he was out for this game. I mean, Memphis is a young team. They're talented, but they're really young. They got a lot of highly highly uh, uh, rated freshmen coming into this year. So they're talented, but they're really young. And that that youth and inexperience showed in this game. Uh, they, hit a, they hit a lot of tough shots in this game. But there were a lot of possessions on defense where they just looked like they almost did not care and did not even want to come out to the three-point line to close out on shooters. It was hard to watch. Um, and like their defense was just bad in this game. And I'm not really surprised. Like, those guys are young. Um, and a lot of guys in today's game, a lot of young guys don't care about playing defense. Like They're just not as motivated to put forth the effort necessary to be... Uh, good defenders, and their team defense was terrible in this game. And like, the, just look at the box score of that game. Like, the, like multiple Georgia players, like three or four guys for Georgia, scored double digits, and that's just unacceptable. And Georgia's actually having a good season. They they only have three losses so far, um, which is like they they have the same record record as Kentucky. They're playing solid this season, um, and like. Their 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 coach uh, Tom Crean I and mean, he's having a great a great year uh, this year. Anthony Edwards has been really good for them, uh, but still that's a bad loss for Memphis in a game where Anthony Edwards doesn't play well and you still lose at home. Bad loss. Um, so I was really disappointed to see that. Really disappointed in Memphis there, and Memphis dropped a lot. Like they're ranked number twenty one now, uh, so they they got punished. By AP voters for that one. Our next up, Wisconsin-Ohio State. Really weird game. Ohio State wasn't bad in this game. And this is like their second loss in a row. They lost this game, then they lost to West Virginia. Uh, against West Virginia, they were bad. They were really bad offensively. They just weren't as sharp as they've been all season offensively in that game. But in this game, they, they weren't bad offensively. It was just a weird game. A really, really weird game. Wisconsin hit some tough shots in this game. Uh, and what's his name for Ohio State? Number 34. Wesson. K. Wesson. What's his name? I forgot his name. I'm looking it up right now. K. Wesson. He was incredible in this game. Like, he was dominant in, in the low post, in the paint. Caleb Wesson, uh, that's his name. He was awesome in this game. He was terrific. Just dominated against uh, Wisconsin. He's averaging Almost 15 points per game this season. And he showed up in this one, scoring 22 points, grabbing 13 rebounds. I mean, he was awesome in this game. Uh, But, like, besides him, nobody else was really great for uh, Ohio State. Now, Washington Jr., he was good. He had 18 points. uh, But didn't shoot all that well from the field. 6 for 19 shooting. 4 for 10 from the 3-point line. That's good. Uh, But, like, he was not good. He didn't shoot that well. Besides... Um, three four shooting, I mean six for nine, 19 for the field is just dis- disgusting and not in a good way. But besides Weston, no one was really good for Ohio State. No one was reliable offensively. Like besides Washington Junior, like the second leading scorer was West was um the other Wesson is that his brother? Are they they have to be related, right? I've watched Ohio I've watched a few Ohio State games. But I don't know if they're brothers, I assume they are. He had nine points. Uh so a rough game for Ohio State. Wisconsin, they they were they were better. Seventeen points for Ryu is that Ravers? Ryu I don't even know how to say his name. Uh but he, he had seventeen points, nine rebounds. And even he he shot three for twelve from the field. But he he shot well from the free throw line, ten for twelve. Uh and then King, he scored thirteen points. And that's really all he did. He just scored. He literally did nothing else. He had one turnover, but he shot six for seven from the field. One one for one from the three-point line. And Ohio, Wisconsin got a big win on the road at Ohio State. And that's what makes this loss even worse. Ohio State lost at home. That's tough. Um, Ohio State didn't shoot all that well from the three-point line, uh, which is something that they, they're, they're a pretty decent, they're a pretty good three-point shooting team. Um, but they only shot 30% from the three-point line in this game. They shot they shot pretty well from the from the field or decent from the field. They shot 40%. You'd like for that to be higher, especially an elite team like Ohio State, Wisconsin. I mean, they shot 37.5% from the field, 26.1% from the three-point line. Uh, but it's just a really weird game. Wisconsin was able to upset Ohio State. Ohio State has to get back on track. Like they got to prove that they're one of the elite teams, they looked like it uh, early on in the season, and as of recently, they haven't looked like that. Like they they've been really good all season, but lately they they just struggled. Um, they're they're on this this downward spiral right now. They got they got it. They got to get back on track, um, get some big wins in conference play, as they close up the season. Yeah, this is a bad a bad loss here. These are the games I'd expect them to win, but yeah, this is just <laughs> another loss in these just just in this plethora of upsets we saw this weekend. Uh, two two other upsets we saw: Florida State upset Louisville. Florida State is kind of on a roll right now, um, upsetting um, Louisville. That's a big win for Florida State. Really, really big win. I think Florida State, they took a big jump. I think they're top, they're in top ten now. I believe they're number 10 in the country, so that was a really big win that catapulted them all the way up into the top 10 of the rankings, and then Marquette upset Villanova. I was not impressed with Villanova early on in the season, just wasn't impressed with them offensively, haven't watched them recently, wasn't able to catch this game, Um, but that was uh, another upset this weekend. I I feel like there were more upsets. I feel like these were the only upsets. Uh, but I'd have to look. But I want to move on and talk about the NFL wild card games we saw this weekend. This had to be one of the most entertaining wild card weekends of all time. All four of these games were awesome, really fun to watch. And I mean, I, I, it was a rough weekend for me. I made I wrote an article on our website with my predictions for the wild card weekend. And I made predictions for what I for what I thought the rest of the playoffs would look like. I was, and I kid you not, I was one for four on my wild card my wild card picks. And I had New Orleans going to the Super Bowl to play the Ravens. I I, I had a Baltimore New Orleans Super Bowl, and I I kid you not, I was sitting there for like ten minutes deciding, if whether or not I wanted to have New Orleans or San Francisco in the in the Super Bowl. And I seriously, I was like, I, just, I, I seriously think the Saints are going to make make a Super Bowl run this year. I like Drew Brees. Their defense is really good. I like how they're playing. Their defense is playing a little bit better than San Francisco right now. And so I, I picked them over San Francisco to make the Super Bowl. And now I look like an idiot. I look like a fool. Uh, Yeah, one for four. That's bad. Not as bad as Mike Greenberg, who went 0 for four. That's tough. Uh, but yeah, first game of the weekend, Bills Texans. This was such a crazy game. I've never seen a, a more a, a more insane game in my entire life. This game was crazy. Um, like first half, Bills were killing the Texans. Uh, they were they went, like they were just dominant. They got a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watson. Like uh, the Texans' offensive line was awful in the first half. Deshaun Watson was just getting killed. And that's one of the main reasons why I picked the Bills in this game. Like, I picked the Bills to win because, like, their, their defense is good. Uh, I thought they were going to be able to put a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watson and get in his face. And I, I just, I, I like Deshaun Watson better than Josh Allen. And usually I would pick, I like I like to, you know, if, when I make my playoff picks, I like to look at who has the better quarterback and whose quarterback I trust the most. Because I feel like that's a big, uh, a big part of, of a part of a team's success in the playoffs, or a big a big reason why teams are successful in the playoffs is because they have a quarterback you can rely on. They have reliable quarterbacks who aren't going to shy away from the big moments. And I trust Deshaun Watson more than I do Josh Allen, especially since Deshaun Watson's at home. But Deshaun Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Josh Allen, and I should have picked the Texans because of that. But, I I, tr- I used my brain, and I just thought, like, the Bills were the better team, they're really good defensively, they got a good run D, uh, the Texas defense is terrible, um, Like they're, they're, they ranked really low in every metric defensively against both the pass and the run, and I thought, I thought the Bills were going to be able to put pressure on Deshaun Watson, which they did, and they still lost, so I still don't get it, but... Yeah, the Bills were awesome in the first half. There was one point where Josh Allen was the leading passer, the leading receiver, and the leading rusher for Buffalo. That was hilarious. He got like the first touchdown for Buffalo was a pass from John Brown to Josh Allen. That was a crazy play. Josh Allen got hit as soon as he hit the goal line, flipped into the end zone. That was crazy. Um, and yeah, the Bills dominated the first half. They were up thirteen nothing going into the half. Uh, Josh Allen looked good. Made good reads. He was accurate. Made a lot of made a lot of huge th- like just tight huge throws in the tight windows. I was impressed by him in the first half. Then the second half started. They they went up sixteen nothing. Then everything fell apart. It just went to crap. Um the Texans came alive in the second half. They they were able to put points on the board. Um, cut the deficit to sixteen to seven. Uh, now I said sixteen-eight because I got the two-point conversion, and at that point I started to sweat a little bit. I was like, "All right, Bills, come on, come on, let's let, let's get going, uh, let's get back on track offensively, let's score them. And of course they just were like, nah, we ain't gonna do that. We're just gonna suck offensively. We're gonna we're gonna stall out, and we're only gonna kick field goals from this point." And the Watson took over, and even though his offensive line was terrible in the first half. They, they, they were a lot better in the second half, gave him a lot more time, and he made plays. Um, and he showed why he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league. Uh, even, even though he holds the ball on too long sometimes, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, and the Texans just came alive second half. They scored 19 points, 19 second half points. Um, took the lead late in the second half, and it looked like they were going to win the game. But this is where the insanity happened. So they went up 19 to 16, and the Titans had one possession to go down the field and win the game, or tied up. They could score a touchdown or a field goal, tied up, um, tied up. Kick a field goal, go into overtime, or score a touchdown, take the lead, and possibly win the game. And they drove down the field. It looked like they were going to get a field goal, um, but they had a 4th and 27. And so they were going to punt. Except they decided to go for it. I. W- bro. I, I have never seen a team in my life. Go for it on 4th and 27. Especially when they don't even have to. Like the Bills ha- had no reason to go for it on 4th and 27. They should have just punted. There was like over. I don't. There was under 2 minutes left. But my god. Just put the ball. Like, they could have kicked the field goal, but they were in Texas territory. Put the ball, and just, like, bro, why did, I don't understand why I did, why did not put the ball? pin the Texans, like, inside the 10 yard line. Get the ball back in good field position, good field position, like, close to where they already were. And, like, they weren't getting, they weren't gonna convert that fourth down. There was no chance. And, of course, they run the play. Josh Allen gets sacked, but like, he takes a huge sack, and the Texans have the ball inside uh, the inside the Bills' forty-yard line. I'm like, what the heck? I cannot believe Sean McDermott made that decision. I would have fired him on the spot. Like, I, right after that play, if I were the owner, I would have fired him. I, that was such a stupid decision. I don't know what McDermott was thinking, and I'm sure all of Buffalo. Was about to just kill themselves, and like, they had to all be on suicide watch about to jump out out of their window. Like I could not believe this play. This was crazy. Uh, then of co- after that, uh, the Texans they ran the clock down to around a minute. Like, they had they, the Bills had a little a little bit over a minute left. Uh, Bill, the Texans almost got a first down or third down, but they were just short. They had a fourth and one, and this was a little bit of a controversial decision. They decided to go for it. Um, it was a 4th and 1. They, they decided not to kick the field goal. I actually agree with Bill O'Brien's decision to uh, go for it. Because if they would have converted this, got the first down, the game would have been over. Um, but, unfortunately, they didn't get it. So, the Bills uh, took over. They got one more possession. I, it, it is. I cannot believe that they got a second chance. After going for it on 4th and twenty-seven. after that stupid decision, they got one more opportunity to either tie or win the game. I can't believe it. It, it, it. And look, the insanity was still not over. Early on this drive, Josh Allen had this huge run. Um, Like, I don't know how long this run was, but right before he got tackled, he tried to lateral it to uh, Dawson Knox. And, like, they, the Bills still had a timeout. They There was still over a minute left in the game. Why are you lateraling it back like it's the last play of the game? What are you doing, Josh Allen? Are you an idiot? I couldn't believe it. And, they, and Dawson didn't catch it. He Like, it was a fumble. Uh, luckily, Dawson hit it out of bounds. And they kept, posse- they kept possession of the football, but I was like, oh my gosh, Josh Allen, what are you doing? You got a second chance, even after your coach made a stupid decision to go for it on 4th and 27. And you're going to lateral the ball and almost turn the ball over and ruin any chance your team had of getting back in this game and tying it up or scoring a touchdown and winning? I couldn't believe that. And then later in the drive, they there was a third down. Um, A huge third down with around 20 seconds left, and they, you know, the Bills got really close to converting. The refs ruled them short. They they actually reviewed this play. But what was huge about this play is if they ruled the Bills short of the first down, the Bills would have had to run their special teams on the field, hurry that up. Then they would have had a rushed field goal attempt. Um, Actually, now that I think about it, I think because it went to review. Um, they got time to set up, to go ahead and set up before the clock started, so I think they actually wouldn't have had to rush it, but, like, if they wouldn't have reviewed this play, the Bills would have had to rush a field goal, and there's no telling what would have happened if, if the kicker would have made it or not, uh, but they converted, which is crazy, like, like, the, um, I forgot who it was, but the Bills player, um, fell short of the first down marker, but then, like, Went over the first down marker, he was touched, and it looked like he was down by contact short of the first down marker, but when he was touched by the Texas player, he was in the air, he had crossed the first down marker, first down, Bills, then took a few deep shots, kicked a field goal, um, and you know the insanity is still not over, and over time, the Bills, uh, they drove down the field after forcing the Texans to punt, all they had to do was kick a field goal, they were in field goal range, um, in the Bills, Josh Allen took a sack. They had the punt, and then the, the biggest play of the game: um, Deshaun Watson drops back in the pocket. The Bills set a heavy blitz. They got two guys there. One guy hits Deshaun Watson. He and he um he like starts he gets hit, and then another Bills player hits him. He bounces off both guys, stays up hits the running back in the flat, hits the check down. That guy goes all the way inside like the 15-yard line. The Texans take an easy field goal, win the game. But that was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen in my life. Deshaun Watson, I don't know how he didn't get sacked right there, but he stayed up, made the play, and put the Texans into the divisional round where they will play the Chiefs. That's going to be a fun matchup. But this is one of the craziest football games I've ever seen. That ending was absolutely insane, and I just, like, I felt blessed that we got even more football and that, uh, even more of that football game, and that that game went to overtime, that was crazy, um, if you haven't seen, if you didn't get to see, if you didn't get a chance to see that game live, you gotta, please, find a way to watch that game, like, the full game in its entirety, because that was one of the craziest games I've ever seen in my life, alright, let's move on, Titans Patriots, that was the late game on Saturday. Um, before the game I-, I picked the Patriots because the Patriots in the playoffs are a different animal. Um, I have a lot of faith in Bill Belichick and playoffs Tom Brady. Uh they weren't able to get it done. In my article I actually wrote saying that the Titans, if they were to um have if they want a chance to win this game, they have to be able to run the ball effectively and they have to force the Patriots to be one dimensional And they have to force the Patriots to rely on their passing game. Um, And that's exactly what they did. I said if they did that, they would win the game. That's what they did. Uh, I picked the Patriots, so I was wrong. Um, But, yeah, huge win for the Titans. Derrick Henry put the team on his back, and he was incredible. He had 34 carries, 182 yards, and a touchdown. And he just might be the reason this Patriots dynasty is over. I'm not saying the Patriots dynasty is over, but if this is the end, if this is officially the end of their run, uh, yeah, Derrick Henry, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for your service, bro. Thank you so much for what you have done here. Um, because this was a crazy performance. He was absolutely insane in this game. He played out of his mind. Um, and the Titans didn't even have to rely on Ryan Tannehill at all, which I thought was a good thing. Like, they, they, like, the, the uh. Their leading receiver had like two catches, which I thought was a great thing. They didn't need to pass the ball because the Patriots secondary is insane. And it, I thought like if, if the Patriots, if the Titans have to rely on Ryan Tannehill to win the game, uh, this might be a long night for them. They didn't have to do that. Uh, Derek Henry ran all over the Patriots defense and the Patriots offense was pathetic. Not all because of Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't great in this game. But he just doesn't have the weapons. And their run game was really ineffective. Um, they had to pass the ball a lot. Like, Tom Brady had to throw 37 passes. I'd like to see them be able to run the ball a little bit more um, than they were able to. But, yeah, that I mean, the Titans got a huge win there. I mean, I, 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 that was a huge win on the road in Foxborough. For them to be able to run the ball as well as they did, play good defense, force the Patriots to pass the ball, and there, there was some one point in the second half, late in the second half, where Mike Vrabel pulled a Bill Belichick, and he ran, ran a minute and forty-five seconds off the clock by per by purposely committing penalties. They had a delay of game, some clock. I don't know how this all happened. I don't really understand, but I just know that they had a delay of game, and right after that, they purposely false started. And then the Patriots had an offsize penalty, and after all those penalties, uh, an extra one minute and 45 seconds ran off the clock, which is a total Bill Belichick move. We've seen him do that this season. Mike Vrabel took a page out of the Bill Belichick book, and just made, bro, I can't. That's such a savage move. And that was a great coaching move by Vrabel, and I think he's done a great job with this Titans team. Um, th- this is a really good Titans squad, and this was like. I, when I saw this matchup, I was like, this is a huge matchup issue for the Patriots. The Titans were probably the second-worst uh, matchup for the Patriots behind the Ravens. Um, and, yeah, they got it done. And that, that that was a huge game for the Titans and Mike Vrabel. Congrats to them. Uh, props to that team. Moving on to the Sunday games. Uh, starting off, Saints-Vikings. This was a really, really interesting game, and I was really impressed by the Vikings, I was impressed by Kirk Cousins, especially, this was a huge game for him, he played, he wasn't anything special, he wasn't like, insane in this game, but he made the plays he had to make, and he outshined. Drew Brees. He outplayed Drew Brees in a playoff game on the road. He went to Drew Brees' house and outplayed him. That's crazy. I cannot believe that. Um, I can't believe I'm on this podcast saying that right now. But it happened. Kirk Cousins was solid in this game. uh, But the main reason the Vikings won is because Dalvin Cook was running all over the Saints' defense. The Saints had, uh, coming into this game, they had the fourth-ranked run defense in the entire league. And Dalvin Cook was like, Okay, I don't care, I'm gonna run over run all over you. Like Dalvin Cook had uh twenty eight carries for ninety four yards and two touchdowns. He was awesome. He was great in this game, really reliable. Um, and the Saints, Drew Brees was awful. Like I mean, he wasn't awful, uh but he was really disappointing. He had one interception, which was awful. Taysom Hill uh, like the, the possession before for them, threw a 50-yard bomb. Uh, it wasn't a touchdown, but it put them inside the 5-yard line. They, they scored off of it. And then Drew Brees decides to throw throw deep and into double coverage. And uh, Harry, I, I believe it's Anthony Harris. I don't want to get that wrong. I believe it's Anthony Harris. He got the pick, easiest pick of his life. Um, it was actually kind of a difficult case to make. Uh, But, like, it was a bad decision. I don't understand why Drew Brees threw that. I I expect a lot more out of Drew Brees. It just wasn't great in this game. 208 yards, one touchdown, one pick. uh, With a quarterback rating of 51.8. And that's not good at all, really. Like, that's kind of disgusting. The player of the game for the Saints was Taysom Hill. He was awesome in this game. He made some huge plays. Um... Both as like as a receiver, a passer, and a rusher, he was great in this game. But yeah, the rushing attack for the Saints wasn't like rival at all. Alvin Kamara seven carries for for twenty one yards. Latavius Murray had five carries for twenty one yards. Their leading rusher was Taysom Hill with four carries and fifty yards. That's that's awful. Like Kamara has to be better than this, and I don't understand why he's been so bad this season. I know he's so, I know he's been dealing with injuries. But come on, dude! This is the playoffs. You gotta step it up. I was disappointed by him. Camara is one of my favorite players in the entire league. I love watching Camara. It's such a matchup issue because he can run. He, he's also a great receiving threat. Um, and if you man up a linebacker on Camara, you're gonna get killed. Camara, it, it, you cannot cover him with a linebacker. That's that's a huge mistake. Um, and he's just a ma- a ma- a matchup nightmare. Um, he's just a, he's a huge mismatch for teams, and I like him, but he's been awful this year, really disappointing, I'm just disappointed in him, um, he's been bad, but yeah, Kirk Cousins, salute to Kirk Cousins, he won a big game, uh, I was really impressed by him, and the reason I picked the Saints to win this game is because I trust Drew Brees in a big game more than I trust Kirk Cousins, um, that's like that, I I I like the Vikings. I thought they were a talented team. Um, I like what they do defensively, with um their blitz packages. Their 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 defensive schemes are really incredible. Um, uh, Mike Zimmer is a really good coach. Uh, but I thought at the at the end of the day, Kirk Cousins. I just don't trust him in a big game. He proved me wrong. I'm really impressed by him. And this might be the best game that the Minnesota Vikings defensive line played all season. Their defensive line was awesome in this game. They just, they, they came to play, uh, and they were absolutely incredible in this game. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy at the end of this game. There was like, uh, in, in overtime, the game went to overtime, Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings uh, got the ball. To start off. When did they get the ball to start off? I don't actually know that. Uh, I'm going to shut up and not say things that I'm actually not informed about. <sighs> Excuse me. But the Vikings um, had possession. And they got inside the 10-yard line. And they threw a fade to Kyle Rudolph. And apparently there was offensive pass interference that wasn't called. That should have been. I've seen the play. I haven't seen a good enough angle to... Actually, give an opinion on if it's Pi or not. I mean, it's close. I couldn't actually see Carl Rudolph like extend his arms, uh, but apparently, an official, an officiating analyst said that Pi should have called. So i to just go with him and say I get. Like, if he says that Pi should have been should have been called there, he's probably right. I personally have not seen a good angle or a good enough angle for me to say whether or not it was pass interference. But doesn't doesn't that suck? for Saints fans to have lost. Uh in a game where there was a huge non call, non pass interference call and uh at the end of the game, that sucks, but yet but look, guess what? I, I hate the Saints, so screw them. Uh I really do not care that they've gotten screwed by the Refs in the last two uh two seasons. Actually they have not been screwed by the Refs. They've been screwed by themselves. Drew Brees this is two straight playoff games where he has turned the ball over in crucial moments and lost the game. Uh, he, like, Drew Brees had a fumble at one point where, it, like, uh, Daniel Hunter hit him, but he didn't even hit his wrist. He, like, hit his arm, and then it was like he fumbled the ball. I guess his um, injured thumb was affecting his grip, and he fumbled that. And, like, I, I hate Saints fans. They complain so much about officiating. When really, it's their own team's fault for losing this game and the game last year to the Rams. Like, this game, the Saints were awful. Like, they really were bad. They were so underwhelming in this game. Their run defense was terrible. Drew Brees was disappointing. Um, and Drew Brees was so underwhelming. And he did not perform to his standards. And that's why they lost the game. Because they couldn't do enough offensively. They couldn't score enough. Like, I would expect them to score more than 20 points at home. Uh, but yeah, they, like Drew Brees got outplayed by Kirk Cousins, and Dalvin Cook ran all over them. That's why they lost the game, not because of the officials, but because of that. And those those two reasons those are two reasons why the Saints lost this game. They did not lose this game because of officiating. So uh, if anybody tries to tell you that's why they lost, those people are full of crap. Okay, get, get out of here with that BS. I don't want to hear that. Moving on, uh, final game of the weekend, Eagles Seahawks, and Seahawks came away with the victory. This is the one game I picked correctly, um, and I guess, this is probably the one game I felt most confident about. Um, Seahawks got a win, seventeen nine, and I, I just don't know what to think about this Seattle team. They're really hurting uh, with those the injuries to their running backs. Like, their running back depth sucks now. They have Marshawn Lynch, who I love Marshawn Lynch as, mu- as much as the next guy. But this dude, this dude was on his couch a few weeks back, and he's, like, over 30 years old. So, I don't know how reliable he is. He's been solid for them, uh, but they could, like, if Chris Carson was on their team, their offense would be so much better. But since they don't have a run game that they can rely on heavily, uh, Russell Wilson has to do a lot more, and with that offensive line, that allows a lot of pressure. It's it's tough for Russell Wilson, and I don't even know what this Seahawks team would look like without Russell Wilson. Like I, I they they would suck without Russell Wilson, because Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, like he's one of the best passers, but he can scramble, and he's done so much over the last few years with a with a bad offensive line. And what he's been able to do with that crappy offensive line is, is, is so impressive. Um, and I'm impressed with him every time I watch him play. He's an elite quarterback, and he's just he's crazy good. Uh, but yeah, they, they weren't great in this game. Uh, the defense was good. They forced the Eagles to take three field goals, and that's the only only way they were able to score points. Uh, but the Seahawks were good. Offensively, they kind of struggled a bit. DK Metcalf was awesome. DK's going to be a problem. I really regret all the things I said about D.K. Metcalf uh, going into the draft. I, I He struggles as a route runner, and he struggled in college, and he didn't produce as much as I'd like, um, and he, he suffered some injuries. But I was blinded by uh, the route running issues, and I, I, I should have been more um, more open to the thought of him being a Calvin Johnson type receiver. Uh, but to be honest i got blinded by the narrative that he wasn't a great route runner and that was gonna just I mean, he had no chance of being an elite receiver at the next level like i i, I just i wish i wouldn't have had uh, those takes where i was like dK Metcalf is not that good because he's not a good route runner well you know what yeah no one's gonna ask dk Metcalf to run comeback routes or run all these fancy routes. Like, his route tree is limited. Like, you know who else, who else route tree is limited or was limited? Calvin Johnson. Like, that's exactly who DK Metcalf is. He's tall. He's a physical freak. He's just athletic as heck. This dude is super athletic, especially for his size. And, like, all, all the, the Seahawks are going to ask him to do is run, like, go routes... Post slants like no, one can ask him uh, To utilize his route running which I mean it does suck but like no one's gonna ask him to be an elite route runner So I just I hate what I said about DK Metcalf uh, before the draft this year And I, I just regret what I said about him because it was misinformed uh, And just just flat-out stupid But cuz he because he's a beast he is a monster. He's gonna be an awesome receiver for years to come and he was great in this game. Had a few huge catches. Um, had a huge 50-yard catch in this game. That was great. And then in the end, of, at late in the game, towards the end, he had a huge catch uh, where he beat guy. He beat the um, the guy covering him. But he had to make this huge adjustment and make this uh, huge leaping catch, which is crazy. That basically sealed the game for the Seahawks. Uh, but yeah, the Seahawks. I, I, they're they're a solid team. But without a run game, I just, their offense is not good enough, in my opinion, uh, to make a run in the playoffs. I just, like, if if they come up against a team that has a really good pass rush, like the Vikings, or the 49ers, or the Packers, so basically every other team in the playoffs, or every other team remaining in the NFC, they're going to struggle, and they're probably going to get beat. I just don't. I just don't know if Russell Wilson's going to be able to, to do enough to um, to get this team get this team on a run and push this team over the top and get them into the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to be. He's going to be able to do enough uh, with without a run game and with a crappy offensive line and like oh, them only being able, being able to score seventeen points on an Eagles defense that sucks. Like their secondary is really bad. Their front seven's solid, and their front seven's really good, but their secondary is terrible. Like they should have just fed DK Metcalf and let him feast on the Eagles' secondary. Uh, but like, them being only able to score 17 points on the Eagles' secondary, that that that's alarming to me. Uh, but yeah, big win by the Seahawks on the road. That's a tough place to play in Philly. I will I will give them props for that. And Doug Peterson's a great coach. So, it's tough to count the Eagles out. But I just wanted to see more from the Seahawks' offense. Uh, they're good defensively. One thing I want to talk about. I do want to talk about just Davion Clowney's hit on Carson Wentz. Because that caused a lot of controversy. He should have been penalized. That was a dirty hit. Uh, I don't think he meant to do that. He says he doesn't. Uh, and I I believe him. I don't think he intended to hurt Carson Wentz. Uh, but, yeah, he led with his helmet. And hit cart, and that was helmet. Helmet. The helmet contact was made, um, and he was already going down to the ground. I don't think he deserves any any kind of punishment. Like I don't think he deserves to be suspended for a game, uh. But a penalty should have been called. I, this was like a lot bigger. It was a lot bigger, like a lot bigger of a deal than it needed to be. Like I, this was nowhere near as big of a situation. As Miles Garrett swinging his helmet on, um uh, Miles on a, uh, what's his name? Rudolph, Mason Rudolph. This is not as bad as that. It's not as egregious. Uh but I do think it was a dirty hit. But I don't think Klein a dirty player and I don't think he meant to do that. I don't think he was trying to hurt Carson Wentz and get him out of this game. Uh but that's what ended up happen- happening. Um so I I I just I wish Carson Wentz uh, a good recovery. I hope he um I hope he's okay. But I I don't think um any I don't think Klein needs to be like severely punished for this. Alright, moving on. Last thing I want to talk about uh, before we end this episode of the podcast. I want to talk about Trey Young and if he deserves to be an all-star. I I, uh, saw an article on uh, ESPN talking about this and whoever wrote this article went into all these analytics on Trey Young and how he's kind of like an inefficient, uh, high-usage guy. And I thought they were about to say that he does not deserve to be an all-star because he's, uh, like his true percent, true shooting percentage is not great, and he's a high usage guy, um, uh, they ended up saying that he does deserve to be an all-star, and I think he 100% deserves to be an all-star, and I think there's an, uh, there's an argument that he should be a starter. Now, I mean, I'm a Hawks fan, um, so I have some bias, like, I, I've seen Trey Young more than any other player in the league, but, Like, Trey Young has been awesome this season, he's averaging 28 points, Um, I don't know how many assists, it's around 8, but he's been awesome, I mean, he's um, in the top 10 in both points and assists per game, he's been awesome this season, and it really sucks that his team's been so bad, like, Collins had that suspension for PEDs, and that sucks, being without Collins has really hurt the Hawks. I don't know what their record would, would look like if Collins had played all 25 games that he missed. Uh, but they have missed him a lot. And the Hawks' team has just been really disappointing this year. They've had a lot of injuries. Like Kevin Herter, he's, he's been hurt a lot. Uh, and like, their defense is terrible. Like, they don't have a center. Or, or, they don't have a reliable center. Like Alex Lynn, I, he makes me so mad sometimes as a Hawks fan. Um, and Trae Young's been able to do all that he's doing, and he's been able to produce like he's produced, even with a terrible team. And, like, a lot of games, teams are trapping him, um, double-teaming him, and he's still able to put up these crazy numbers. And if you just watch him play, like, sometimes I feel like analytics... I'm, I'm not a, like, a huge anti-analytics guy. I think analytics um, are useful at times. But I, But I feel like if you're going to... Punish Trey because he has a high usage rate and he's, you know, not as efficient as you'd like him to be. Like, he's he's decently efficient, but like I don't feel like punishing him for that is fair. Like he's been really good. If you just watch the games, he's awesome. Um, now he does turn the ball over a little too much. That's one thing I don't like about him. Uh, that's one part of his game that I don't like. He does turn the ball over. A little too much. He tries to do too much with the ball. Tries to make too many plays. Um, and he's horrific on defense. But, to tell you the truth, I'm not, like, I don't think Travis Slink drafted a 6'2", 80 pounds point guard to be a good defender. Um, I don't think he was drafting him to be some kind of some kind of elite defender. Uh, so, I, I, I don't, like, I don't like to hate on him for his defense too much because... Now, I don't think anyone was expecting him to be a huge part, uh, or like, to be you know as successful on that. On that, um, that I, don't, I I cannot talk right now. I don't think a lot. Of, I don't think people were expecting Trey Young to have a huge impact on the defensive side of the basketball. Like I think that would have been stupid if you were drafting him to do that because that's not who he is. Uh, but he's been awesome this year. He's I mean he's just been crazy on offense been one of the best offensive players in the league this year like he's been crazy he's shooting from deep um, his deep shooting is insane like he his his shooting from from deep range like from the logo it's crazy to watch him play he's so entertaining um he's a great passer great in pick and roll um, he, he's had he's had a really good impact on this team even though we're not winning um, our offense it's much better when he steps on the court because when Trey Young comes off the court and he goes to the bench, it, it our team goes to crap and I, it is crazy. Uh, but yeah, that's something that like like our team is much worse without Trey Young on the court. And he's extremely valuable, um, and I think he's been one of the. I think he's been probably um, the if he's not the best, he's definitely been the second best point guard in the East so far. Uh, possibly, arguably behind Kimba Walker, but I think there's an argument to be made that he is the, he's been the best point guard in the East, and that used to be a starter. Um, I voted him a starter because Jimmy Butler cannot be voted as a guard. He's only you can only uh, vote him as a forward. Um, so he's a front court player. You can't vote him as a back court player. If Jimmy Butler, was, if you were able to vote him as a back court player, I probably would vote. Uh, my starters would probably be like. Kimba, uh, Jimmy, Giannis, Pascal Siakam, and Joel Embiid. Uh, but since Jimmy Butler isn't listed as a guard, um, I couldn't vote him. So I voted, I voted Trey Young as a starter. Uh, but yeah, he should 100% be an all-star this year. He's been incredible. One of the, he's been one of the best players in the league so far. Um, and he's consistent. Like He's been really consistent uh, with his production this year. And his efficient—he's more efficient than he was last year. Um, he, hes shooting more accurately, um, and I mean he—he's just been so good for this team. He's been awesome, and I, he's one of my favorite players to watch. I love Trey Young, uh, but of course, take what I say. Like, you know, like obviously, I'm going to be a little bit biased because I've seen Trey Young more than I've seen any other player in the league. Uh, but I think he 100% deserves to be an All Star. Like I, I get the I get the team record. I get that his team sucks, but you gotta take into a, you you gotta use some context here. John Collins missed twenty five games. Herder missed some games with injury, uh, but those guys are coming back, and they're playing pretty well uh, as of late. But you know that's that's gonna do it for this episode of the podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this, um, and I will see y'all next time. <laughs>